0: So, Brenda read a long story about a long walk. A story that's familiar to many of us, and because it's long and familiar, we tend to condense it, moving quickly, as quickly as possible to the joy of its surprise ending, just like I did with the kids today. But I want to slow us down right now and to spend some time on the road with those two disciples. They're not among the 12. They aren't named. Well, one of them is, but the other isn't. So they're not part of Jesus' inner circle. But it's clear that they've been with Jesus for some time and that they have witnessed all the events that took place during the week we call holy. It wasn't holy for them. It was a tough week, a hard week, a week that began with high spirits and hope and ended in heartbreak, and despair. And now there's nothing left but to go home. And so these two are on the road and as we do in times of great sorrow or joy, they were rehashing all that had happened. The miracles they had seen Jesus do, the things he had said, then the kindness that he had shown them when they decided to join his followers. Their elation at the cheers of the crowd just a week before and the sharing of the meal on Passover, the shocking betrayal of Judas and the fear that had sent them running when Jesus was arrested, their horror at his crucifixion and the guilt and grief that have haunted them ever since and that even now are keeping pace with them on the road. What are you talking about? Engrossed in their conversation, they start at the sound of another voice. A stranger is caught up with him. Of course, we know right away who the stranger is, but by some mystery, they don't recognize him. His question brings the disciples to a standstill. Then one of them, Cleopas, responds bitterly, You can't be serious. Don't you know the things that have been going on? is ignoring his sarcasm, the stranger simply replies, What things? And the floodgates open. Suddenly they are telling him all about Jesus and all that had happened to them, sharing their sorrow and their grief and their despair and their fear. You've had that experience, haven't you? The stranger sitting next to you on the plane or standing in line at the grocery store, or maybe sitting in the pew next to you, ask a simple question, and suddenly you find yourself telling your whole life story, or vice versa. They're telling their life story to you. A woman who I barely knew waved at me in the grocery store on Saturday, and in the casual conversation that followed, she let it drop that her mother had just died. Needless to say, that conversation lasted a bit longer than the ones I usually have over the produce department at the grocery store. And so it is on that road to Emmaus. Cleopas and his companion pour out their grief and confusion, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Oh, how they had hoped. How could anyone teach and heal like he did and not be of God? Surely the one to whom the crowds hide, Hosanna, would save them. Surely he would throw off the Roman oppressors and restore Israel to greatness. Surely Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. Oh, how they had hoped. And had those hoped dashed when Jesus was crucified. When the women ran in saying that his tomb was empty and that angels... Said that he was alive, their host roves again, only to be dashed again when Peter found the vacant tomb, but nothing else. But we had hoped. These are words of deep disappointment and despair, and ultimately of resignation. I've heard these words before, and I suspect you have, too, and maybe you've even said them. But we had hoped that the surgery would work. We had hoped that he had really quick. We had hoped that the doctors were wrong. But we had hoped that he would get the job, that the insurance would cover it, that the marriage would survive, that the grades would improve, that she would be happy, that the Easter visitors would come back that our prayers would be answered, that the future would be brighter. But we had hoped. These are not words we like to hear. They make us uncomfortable because we know we can't make things better, which is why we don't know what to say when a friend or acquaintance expresses their disappointment and grief, and why we so desperately try to smooth things over with well-meaning words that unintentionally deny the truth of their suffering. She's in a better place. It was for the best. Things seem bad now, but you'll be okay. Jesus doesn't do that. He just stands there with those two grief-stricken disciples and lets them talk. He lets them name the pain, the grief, the anger, and disappointment, all those things from which they are so desperately trying to get away. He meets them where they are and offers himself. And through his quiet listening and acceptance of their suffering, he creates the space in which they, in turn, can listen and learn and receive the new future that God has has in store for them. When their words finally trail off, Jesus says, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart. His words seem harsh, almost as if Jesus is about to throw up his hands and walk away. But he doesn't. Instead, he offers himself again, interpreting Scripture, helping them to understand, opening their minds and hearts to new hope. In the words of the great theologian Augustine, their teacher was walking with them along the way, and he himself was the way. Yet even though their hearts burn within him, the disciples still do not recognize him. They arrive in Emmaus and the two companions turn to the stranger and offer him hospitality for the night, almost compelling him to stay with them. When they sit down to eat, the stranger picks up a loaf of bread, blesses and breaks it, and once again offers himself to them. And finally comes the moment for which we have been mating, waiting. The wo- moment when they know who has been with them on that road. Jesus, alive, well, with them. I'm struck by the timing of the risen Christ. Over and over again, he comes to people in their worst moments, to Mary Magdalene crying in despair in the garden of the tomb, to the disciples cowering in fear behind locked doors, to Thomas in his solid disappointment, to Cleopas and his companion walking away from dashed hopes. And when Jesus comes, he doesn't just wave his hand and make it better. He doesn't say, they're there, it's all right. On the contrary, he patiently acknowledges the truth of their suffering and need and then lovingly offers himself, calling Mary by name, showing his hands and feet to the disciples, encouraging Thomas to touch him, and sharing a walk and a meal with Cleopas and his companion. He also moves them to act out their new renewed hope, Mary goes to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. The disciples received the Holy Spirit and are sent out to do good work. Thomas is blessed with the insight of renewed and deepened faith. As for Cleopas and his companion, no longer standing still in disappointment and grief, they are moved to return to Jerusalem to tell how their hearts had burned on the road and to proclaim that the despair of we had hoped had been transformed into joy of, we have hope. We have hope. All of us have and will encounter disappointment, grief, and pain on the road to our lives. It's been a tough week for the Methodist church. We've been holding our breath, waiting for the decision of the Judicial Council in regards to the election of Reverend Karen Oliveto as Bishop of the Mountain Sky Annual Conference. Bishop Oliveto, who is married to a woman, was consecrated last July, and her consecration was challenged Though the council did not invalidate her nomination and election as bishop, nor did they require her to step down, at least for the moment, they did rule that her consecration as bishop was against church law and is subject to a review. As several complaints have already been lodged against her, I have no doubt that a disciplinary process will undoubtedly will take place. Questions around... the homosexuality, continue to threaten the unity of our church. We've been standing still on this road for a very long time. And my heart breaks for those who have felt rejected for so long and whose hopes have been dashed once again. And my heart breaks for those who feel that we cannot accept this practice as something that comes from God. And so we stand still on the road. I urge us to continue to pray for our church, to pray for the commission on the way forward that is exploring how the church might come to a place of mutual understanding so that we can continue to be the united Methodist church. And I ask us to trust in the grace of the Holy Spirit and the love that claims each one of us, no matter who we are. For when hope has been dashed, and the future seems lost, or murky, or uncertain, I believe that Christ does not leave us standing still in our struggles, but comes alongside us on the road, and through acts that are surprisingly ordinary, the patient companionship of a friend, A listening ear and an open heart, even between those who disagree. The story of scripture, the exploration of what God has to say to us, and the sharing of a meal together. Maybe even in a conversation in the grocery store, or in the pew, or in Lucas Chapel during fellowship time. Or on the street, in all those very ordinary encounters, Christ shares our struggles, offers himself to us in love, and helps us to recognize the overflowing hope that is ours through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. However your heart is touched, whatever you believe, whatever grief you feel, whatever struggle you have, God is with us. And in that great hope, we live and move and have our being. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.